Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and every week we hope to talk about the moments in life we really wish someone would have prepared us for. You know, those seasons that someone could have, maybe should have, given us a heads up on. This week, we're spending time with my new friend, Sharia Calabras. How is that for a name? It's so strong. I literally tell her at the end of the episode, like I see this on a book cover. Spoiler alert, you know, anywho. Every now and then, I get to do interviews with people that just flow so easily. Like the conversation, it just goes from one thing to another and somehow it's still incredibly valuable. This is one of those times. I hit record while we were already going in depth about our fiction reads and how those reads actually inform and equip us to reach people better. But then we go into the real reason I reached out to her. See, I wish someone would have told me how easy it is to harden your heart, to grab onto your preferences and sacrifice anyone and anything at the altar of what I think or what I want to do or what I think is most right. So as we kick off this new series for February, Realities of Relationships, Shreya and I talk about what her heart has been since she started sharing her writing with the World Wide Web a couple years ago. How do we stay soft in a really hard world? How do we approach conversations that could be triggering with a soft heart and open hands? And how do we come back from deep pain caused by people we love the most? So here we are, learning how to be courageously soft together. This past year, I was like, no, I'm just going to read fiction. And it's been the best thing. Really? So you switched. You were like, I'm only reading nonfiction books. So you switched from that to, I'm going to get lost a little bit in this fiction. Yes. And I was just going through so much stuff like trauma, PTSD, like so much stuff. And so I was just getting like lost in like, I'm going to read this book on healing and this book on Mm. this and this book on this. And then I just was like, you know what, what if I just try fiction? And it healed me way differently. It just was so refreshing to me. Yeah. I don't know. It was so weird. It was so weird. Do you think it's because you could get lost in it for a minute and just like walk away? Like focusing on my stuff, Mm. but then also realize that trauma and pain isn't some unique thing. Yes. And so it was just because I I think sometimes nonfiction books make you think that you're the only one going through something. And then you have the secret to overcoming it. Mm -hmm. This book has a secret. When fiction is just like, actually, we're all struggling and life sucks for all of us. And And I'm just going to write about it. This might not be real, but you're going to relate to something in here. I know you are. Exactly. But doesn't it as a writer, as a writer, doesn't it make you a better storyteller and like a better, yes. like you, like empathy, all of that so much greater. You can tell when a nonfiction writer reads fiction. I think so too. I agree with that. You can totally tell because nonfiction writers who don't read fiction literally write manuals and their structure is just very ugh, cut mm-hmm. and dry. Mm-hmm. For example, Jackie Hill Perry, you can tell that girl reads fiction. Yes. Yep. Yep. Have you, you read her tell. newest one? Okay, I've only read the first like two or three chapters of it. And I've not made it to the end yet. Because if it is one of those, it is I was like, I have to reread stuff. I have to go back and make sure I'm understanding what she means. I I mean, it's she said she studied for two years to write that book. So I'm like, Oh yeah, my gosh. Like, the last time I studied for anything for two years, I think I was in college. I get. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember. I don't have the attention span. I was a bad student. <laughs> I maybe studied for two hours. 
<laughs> two hours right before that test, and you better believe yeah. I was prepared. I knew what I, I was, was ready. To, I just had it fresh in my mind. <laughs> no, I was I was that crazy student that I marked in my calendar one week out from the test, so yes. I would mark and be like, start studying on this day. Like, now is when you need and ever it was insane. I'm nothing like that now. <laughs> I'm like, what was? I don't know what was happening in that season of life. I mean, it paid off. I mean, I guess yeah. I got a degree, yeah. but like, you made it out. I don't even know why I admitted that. Where were you in school at? I went to, oh my gosh, it's a saga. Okay, so I went to Messiah College mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. I went there 2009 to 2010. I think I left 2010. Yeah. And then I came home, back home to Colorado, and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Basically, I got a professor that failed me, that I have to retake it. And I came to find out that he failed all the black students in his class. One mistake. Me? Yeah, so you got three mistakes that you were able to make. So me and my other, and my roommate made three mistakes and he failed us. But then I had another friend who was in my class who was white and she made four mistakes and you didn't fail her. So I sat down with him and his like, you know, I asked him to have a meeting with him and I was just like, I just need to know what's going on because it was like me and another girl, which mind you, both my roommates were black. All of the people were color were roomed in the same dorms. It was just crazy. So I was like, me and my roommate got, like why were we failed? And then you didn't fail this other person. He proceeds to tell me, and I ended up recording a conversation, he proceeds to tell me, he's like, I need your type of people, people like you, need to understand that you're not going to just get a handout in this world, and saying black people are lazy, that we just think we want to, we want handouts, we don't work hard for anything, just goes on this ramp. So I bring it to the president, or the dean, and they just didn't do anything about it. And so that's when I just had really bad depression. Like, yeah, it was horrible. And so I just told him, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just need to leave. So I dropped out. Here's what I think is so amazing. I obviously knew none of that. But here's what I think is so interesting (laughs) is how that had to have informed where you are now, right? Oh my gosh, 100%, right, yes. And this is what I love, how you talk about this softness and trying to bring softness in light of the -hmm. stories that you just told Mm -hmm. in the past five minutes, right? Anyone else that's not going to bring out softness, that's going to bring out a hard edge of, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and and it's a well-deserved hard edge after. Yes, right. Right. But there are times when I think a story can be crafted that maybe is going to be used for the future. And you make big decisions like walking away from college or whatever you have to finish school. But you know, I was telling someone this the other day, just the liberation that I see in Gen Gen Zers now. They have so much freedom and liberation, and Mm -hmm. I love that they're just owning that because Mm -hmm. we were not given that. We were told you graduate, you go to college, you get a job, you have kids, you retire, and, you know, that's your life. Mm -hmm. But they're doing it like my brother is about to graduate now, and he's just like, I'm going to take a gap year. I'm just going to figure it out. And it's like, that is fine. There is no cookie cutter way to success. They're changing what sex means. It doesn't have to mean a degree, but it can. And if that's the route that you take, if you're in college, pursue it and do it because it's on your heart. And that's what Mm -hmm. you feel called to do. If it's not, that's okay. I just love that they are experiencing a freedom that we didn't really get a lot in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were just like, told it's the only way. Aren't you so curious what it's going to look like in the next generation? Because, I mean, you think about oh our gosh, parents and they I were know. like, you work no matter what. Who cares if you don't like the job? You're there for retirement and for a paycheck. That's it. Exactly. And then you exactly. get to our generation and we're a little bit like, we're no, a little more. I don't yeah, think so. Yeah. Like, I want to have purpose. I want to yes, love what yes. I do. And then you and have then Gen the Gen Z. Z. Like, I, will, I will quit. <laughs> I I'm going to quit right now. <laughs> I, I wish you would say something that I don't like because then I'm gone. <laughs> I like, wish I'm... you would look at me. <laughs> 
I wish you would look at me a different way. I'm, and I'm not going to give you two weeks. Yeah, I'm going to give you two I will, minutes. I will tell this. you today, I'm gone. I'm like, done. I'm just, I'm like, what's, what does that mean for like our kids? You know, like our kids, when they go to college and are like getting jobs, are they just going to be like, actually, college just don't even exist anymore by that point? Yeah. Because Literally, I have no idea. How old are yours? Oh, you've got that one-year-old. Listen, are th- is the one-year-old walking yet? Yes. I'll she's tell walking you. and ruling our household. Is she not? I'm telling you, that second kid, I almost was like, mine started walking. And I swear to you, I thought about just pushing him down. Because I was like, I, I don't want you to walk around yet. I need you to stay. <laughs> it is like wearing me out. When she wasn't walking, I was like, oh, this is easy. I tell, her, I tell my husband, I'm like, oh, she's such an easy baby. Mm-hmm. She's just so great. They and trick you. Walking, and I'm like. Who is this? Like, what is this? Walking, smacking, hitting, yelling. And I'm like, for someone who can't talk, you got a lot to say. Is your second one so much more aggressive than your first? Yes. Me too. My second one. (laughs) My second one. My first one is the rule follower. She's like, you tell me to do it. I'm doing it now. She has a little bit of fear in her of me, which I want her to have. Right. Oh, yeah. My son knows. Yes. I will look and he's. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My second one is just like. I dare you to tell me that I can't do this. Like you tell me I can't, I'm going to go immediately and do it. I mean, that's I'm like, Lord, I saw Lisa Bevere had said something in her podcast about like strong real kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I need to listen to this because <laughs> I don't want to shut it down. Right. Is it not that I balance, like, that balance of like, I want hard. you to keep this kind of heart and yes. this kind of yes. conviction of like, you are going to go after stuff, but mm-hmm. also do what I say and don't choke yeah. hold that kid, please. Yeah. Like, please. I literally picked up mine the other day from parents day out and they were like, well, he tried to choke someone today. And I was like, all right, well, this is here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Is he allowed back? Like, can I still? That's, is he? That's all. That's all I need to know. I, really. don't, I don't. We'll deal with that other stuff. But can I bring him back, please? Please. I will pay extra. But how do you? I mean, I know that you you write so much, and I'm still like pursuing this call, and you feel mm-hmm. like I'm I'm meant to do this in this season at this time. How do you balance both of those? Like mm-hmm. juggling mm-hmm. them and a husband. And also, like, I just feel like I need to go after this, too. What does that look like? So I broke up with balance a long time ago. I feel that. I feel that so deep in my heart. You know, I think I think that a lot of women need to break up with balance because balance will have you doing cartwheels and all this stuff, only to realize that it's myth and it does, never is never achieved. So I think I, when I finally realized, like, okay, there's not going to be any balance, like, when I choose to write, it's going to be a choice that's mm-hmm. going to lead me away from time with my kids but also knowing that that's not a bad thing and choosing not to label it bad to have time away from my kids and not allowing guilt to form around that decision to write because Mm -hmm. I know that writing is who a writer is who God called me to be that part of my ministry and how I'm serving others it also deserves a part of my attention so really I just kind of after I broke with balance and just realized that that's a myth and I'm, when I write, I write, and it's just going to call me away sometimes. I just follow kind of the grace throughout the day. So sometimes mm-hmm. I have a little bit more grace for writing, and I just put in as much as I can. And then there's days, like lately, it has been few and far between. It's not because I feel the demands of my kids have become greater. It's just God's calling me to just be a little bit more intentional with time with them mm-hmm. and, and reminding me that it'll always be there. And I get caught up sometimes in thinking that the gift and the call is going to just like 
like I have to chase it, right? Mm-hmm. If I if I don't just go, it's just gonna leave me. I'm running out of time and all of those things and just changing that scarcity mindset mm-hmm. and really realizing abundance. I live under abundance. It's not gonna run away from me. It will be there when I'm ready. And if God's calling me to pour into my family right now and I'm not showing up online or writing, that's okay. That means that I just show up to where he wants me to show up. And the thing that I love and want to do is not going to just leave me. So honestly, the margins, I just try to fit it in. And then when I don't have margin, I'm like, okay, today's, I just don't write today, but there's another day. Even the scarcity mindset. So the way you just said that, because I do, that guilt chases me around. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. guilt is birthed at the same time as children or at the same time. Uh-oh. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it comes at the same time and that guilt mm-hmm will just chase you. But this piece of scarcity versus abundance, if you're a follower of Jesus, you live under abundance, exactly what you just said. But we use scarcity in almost every aspect of our relationship with God, right? There's Mm -hmm. not enough faithfulness. There's not enough uh, goodness for us. There's not. But you said, essentially, your calling is not going to pass you up. Mm -hmm. If if he has uh, equipped you and called you to do it, it's always going to be there, but you can be called to more than one thing. Have you found that to be true? Yes, like- 100%. And I grew up in the youth group culture where calling was kind of put on this huge pedestal. You're going to change the world. You have a call. You have a destiny, which those are all good things. Those are all, you know, relatively true things. But I think that we can make an idol of the calling, right? We can make an idol of being called and you know, what does God want me to do with my gifts and talents or what does God want me to do with my life and all of those things. So when we do that, when we make an idol of our calling, we don't make room for more callings because we're just fixated on this one thing. And then we also are willing to do whatever we need to do to make it happen. Ultimately, our calling is to love God, right? Mm-hmm. And to love others, to make his name known. The mm-hmm. base of mm-hmm. everybody has the same calling. Every believer, yeah. when you say yes to Jesus, come underneath the same calling. Now, yes, he wires us differently so that we can act out those callings in unique and different ways, Mm -hmm. right? And so my calling to love God and love others looks different in motherhood, in, you know, the world, in the marketplace or whatever, Mm -hmm. with my writing. But it's all connected to that central calling of a believer. And I think that sometimes we get more caught up in trying to find this unique thing that we, we forget who God's called us to be it's always on. It's always working out and being worked out in our lives. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be this one thing that we have to fixate and obsess over and like find. Mm-hmm. It finds us when we say yes to Jesus mm-hmm. and we just live our lives close to him. And we look around and you're like, wow, I'm doing what he's called me to do because I'm close to him. Mm-hmm. That's the point. You know yep, what I mean? Yep. I have a, have a friend who talked about it. She said uh, your calling, all of our colleagues are the same, but our assignments Yes, yes. different, Mm -hmm. you know, like our assignments and how those act out. But I just think it's such an important point, especially for, you know, those 20 somethings and like, maybe they're just getting out of college, you know, and you feel all the pressure to know. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all you have to know, all he's asking of you is obedience right now. Mm -hmm. Everything else is going to come right. Mm -hmm. But even with your writing and the way that you find words for these. I mean, you just did it in the past, like 10 minutes, found words that I could not find. Cause I, I genuinely, I mean, in all honesty, I woke up this morning, my husband called me and I had to start a couple new assignments this morning. And he was like, how are you feeling? I was like, I'm feeling like a fraud this morning. I'm feeling like all these people are expecting something right now. And I'm feeling like I'm just going to disappoint, you know, and those days of like, you get it in your head that you're doing what you're doing for other people and you're doing it to 
bring something to them. And God's like, back it up, back it up. Yeah. Yeah. That is not, that's not your role in this, but it is a vulnerable place to be in. Right. And so I love to write too. And I think that it is one of those most vulnerable places. If you're like, I'm putting words to how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking right now for you, how did that start? I mean, I know we talked through this, those huge transitions of like, okay, yeah. what I thought I was going to mm-hmm. do, I'm not. And then I yes. thought I was going to do, th- not going to do this a year or two ago. You were like, Hey, I'm just going to start sharing kind of what I'm writing. What did it look like to kind of work up to that? Mm-hmm. So I had slowly started to do it when I had my son, I kind of started a blog and I was like, I'm going to share my writing online and just see how it goes. And I did. And someone stole my words oh. for their own. And that just like set me back. I was like, I'm never sharing again. <laughs> Y'all don't get anything anymore. If you're going to abuse it. And it really did push me back to like, oh my gosh, this is like you said, it's so vulnerable and it is your heart out there and then you know when that happens and you just feel really violated so I kind of stepped back and then I was called back home full-time my husband joined the military so I quit my job and I was like I'm stay-at-home mom now which I never ever right I feel that I know I was like god you got the wrong address (laughs) you got the wrong number Because it's not me. Like I'm my kids aren't going to make it. They're not like I yes. will. I'm going to get Someone's rid of them somehow. Survive. <laughs> and I'm afraid it's me. Yeah. <laughs> and my real fear is that I'm not going to make it to the other side of this season you've called me into yes. right now. Yes. He was like, you know, it was just my whole life kind of was upside down. And I was like, I have no purpose. I have nothing. And I'm just going to keep it real. Like, I know that, you know, we have like the motherhood is the most important. It is great. We can all say that. I don't need to like. We get it. Mm-hmm. We know. We know. We, it's fine. It is. It's great. But it's hard to feel purposeful when you're doing the same thing every day. Yes. And it's like, these kids can't talk to you. And when they do, it's you're like, giving me nothing. Sense. And you're like, I haven't had an adult conversation and I don't even know how long. Yep. And you, it's just, you feel like you're drowning in, in the everyday. Mm-hmm. And so for me, writing was like a way that I could kind of just be a little bit more Sharia, like not mm-hmm. just Sharia and the mom, I could be, okay, I'm just gonna be Sharia the writer. Mm-hmm. So it was, I started sharing consistently just words, like transition to just words online, kind of around George Floyd's murder, mm-hmm. because that passion of racial reconciliation just kind of was like, I can't not say anything. I'm literally being propelled and called to this space and I'm, I'm going to just show up. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started writing online and it was terrifying because um, I feel like I much rather would have had God be like, okay, go write online about, you know, this fluffy thing or like nice yes. thing. I'm like, you got me writing online about racism. <laughs> But again, I point back to your experiences, right? It all makes so much sense to me that oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, what you already, already had to walk mm-hmm. through. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But I was like, God, like I, they don't know that. Yeah, the post don't know that. <laughs> they don't know that. And I just felt like I was like, this is where it's like, this is the time. Mm-hmm. It's time to show up. Like you, all your life, you have been like you said, these things have happened all your life, and you let me work it out in you all mm-hmm. this time. And I can, without a shadow of a doubt say that God kept me soft it is Mm. only him but his faithfulness in my life when people are like oh you're so your grace online is so amazing it's like it's not me boo boo he (laughs) is faithful Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. he has been faithful to me so yeah that was when I really started to to write online was 
just to start having those conversations about racism and kind of saying the things that I know a lot of my black friends wanted to say and saying things that I've wanted to say for so long, but also like, okay, trying to serve and bring understanding and just break through a little bit, just some of the barriers. And so that's when I started writing. And then from there, I've always, you know, I love teaching about the word. I love kind of making it more accessible to people, but then opening their eyes to what's in the Bible. And I just, yeah, so I, and I'd like to do it in a way that's just like, your friend talking to you, yeah. just keeping it real with you. And I, I'm an Enneagram for, I don't know. I know You're some a feeler. Devil, you got so. all the feelings. Yeah. Sorry if you think it's the devil's work. Please do not write me off. But I promise I'm safe. I promise. <laughs> I, I am a feeler. I told someone the pain and suffering stuff is kind of like my love language. Like I sure. love to fear to that stuff. So mm-hmm. I also wanted to use the online space to kind of give people solidarity in the heart, offer them solidarity in the hard stuff as well. But what a gift it is that you have the ability to write in mm. such a way that you can present these hard truths, these things that probably have hard edges, but you can soften Mm -hmm. them with your Mm -hmm. delivery. Because I think we equate softness with weakness, right? If we put those two things together, when really you're finding this strength and this durability within the softness, right? So since starting and what you've had to navigate and learn personally about holding both softness and strength at the same time, what does that look like in the way that you communicate or in these hard conversations? Because here's what you did. I mean, it's like you said, God, you've got the wrong person because this is a conversation that a lot of people don't even want to have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they mm-hmm. don't want to talk about the deep, hard suffering and the the dark side of a lot of things that we just don't want to look at and turn the other way. How did you balance both? Like, I'm going to I'm gonna be soft, but you're also going to know that I mean what I'm saying. I mean, it's the way of Jesus, honestly. It's just mir- mimicking the way of our, of our Lord because he was like I know you have people that are like they want to lean to the softness right but then they lose the message or they want to deny the softness softness and just focus on the message mm-hmm. but Jesus was that perfect balance of softness that was not a softness that was weak it was a softness when you think about being soft it's being pliable in the Savior's hands in the Lord's hands like someone who's willing to just do things the way God wants them to do it mm-hmm. I think that you know scripture tells us that we we marry grace with truth right and so i i think that that is just what i kept myself connected to Mm -hmm. and i think in order to be soft you have to always pledge allegiance to the way of the kingdom Mm -hmm. you can't pledge allegiance to your opinion you can't pledge allegiance to your own righteousness you have to continue to pledge allegiance to the savior and that is an act of humility and it also means that sometimes you don't get to say things you want to say because I'm going to tell you right now, there's times that I want to say things that I really, I really can't say mm-hmm. because it would mean that I am putting my allegiance to being right or being my own self-righteousness above who he's called me to be. And so softness is really just submitting our delivery and our message mm-hmm. to the Lord. And, and knowing that that also means that we don't get to just say everything we want to say and we don't just get to say things how we want to say it. And I do see a lot. Like, I've seen a lot of, I guess, Christian influencers online, you know, saying, if you're more concerned with my tone than what I'm saying, you know, that's your problem. Then you just, and actually, you have an obligation as a believer, as a leader who's also claiming Christ, to be concerned with your tone, Mm -hmm. to be concerned with your delivery, to keep that delivery and that tone soft. Because it's not about you. It's about who you are representing. And so 
it's all over the scriptures. You you catch people with honey. That's how you catch people. Mm-hmm. And it's not about playing this game. It's not about pacifying the gospel. It's about being human and approaching people the way you'd want to be approached mm-hmm. and approaching people with the kindness of God in the same way he approaches us since his kindness leads us to repentance. So if you want to change the world, if you want to change people, that softness is not some weakness. The softness is just a submitted heart, a heart that's willing to always be concerned with their delivery and let themselves be refined under the Lord so that the bitterness and the resentment doesn't get into their message. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taint what they're trying to say. And that's a whole nother conversation that people don't want to have. But you, that's the softness as well, is checking ourselves. And the times that we've been hurt and disappointed by people, mm-hmm. we have to make sure that we remove that from our message. I just, I love that you talked about how softness and humility are what's connected. That when you're coming from a posture of humility, it's yeah. almost like the the natural consequence of humility is softness. Those two mm-hmm. things are going to come together, yes. right? Yes. Is there anything, I mean, even in those heated moments, because, you know, I've pointed back a couple of times, the experiences you've had are mm-hmm. like, I'm informed. I've had to experience this so I can come at this any angle I want mm-hmm. to because mm-hmm. I'm justified in it, right? Is there filters? And I think we all can come from that kind of posture of like, no, I deserve to say this. I've had to, you know, I've had this happen to me, so I get to talk like this or I get to say this. Mm-hmm. Are there filters that you run through, right? So whenever you're about to say something, you know, you said there are things that I want to say that I'm like, I can say this and I deserve to say it. What filters mm-hmm. are you pulling back and being like, okay, wait yeah. a second. Let me make sure I'm balancing grace and truth in this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the first, one of the first ones is, am I trying to prove a point? Am I trying to be right and prove that I'm right? Or is this about right relationship with someone? Staying in right relationship with God, staying in right relationship with my other brother, sister in Christ. And so if it's like, if I'm like, I just want to be right because I know I'm right. And, but this also risks hurting someone, offending someone, not even having any regard to them, then I choose not to say it. Also, is this something that is going to establish peace and not peace by just like, oh, everything's fine and fluffy, mm-hmm. but is this something that's going to establish peace so that the door stays open? Because a lot of the things that I talk about when it comes to race is like people, as soon as they feel like shame or guilt, or I'm, I'm calling them a bad person the door shuts Mm -hmm. and then that's all of the work all of the opportunities for the holy spirit to do anything are closed so i'm like okay can i keep this peaceful not so that they're like oh yeah everything's comfortable my my goal isn't comfort Mm -hmm. but my goal is peace so i do like okay am i establishing peace am i establishing peace is like this something that's not going to call someone out of their you know Mm -hmm. place of solitude and for yeah. peace. And then I think the the last is not, how do I say this? So not calling people out of who God's created them to be. So I can be like, oh, I want to just say this because I'm right. I can literally be like, like, what if I want to say all white people are the worst? Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. But if I were to say that to someone though, then I'm no longer speaking to them like they were created in the image of God. I'm speaking to them like they were created in the image of my hurt Mm -hmm. and my pain. Mm -hmm. And so that is ultimately what I just, like I I said before, I have to keep myself aligned and faithful to who God has called me to be. And it is very hard. Mm -hmm. It is very hard to not just mouth off and say what you want, but ultimately, am I here for a moment of oh, relief? Validation, I think, sure. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. got to get this off. 
or am I here for the longevity? Am I here for the kingdom? Am I here for the, the magnitude of the kingdom at work? That's going to take a sacrifice of my moment. I have to sacrifice my moments. Mm -hmm. I have to sacrifice that. I need to just go get a journal or go talk to my husband. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's just, you have to sacrifice those things. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned in the past year is how based on how someone feels for me personally, if I'm experiencing some kind of pain or hurt, then most Mm -hmm. likely if unchecked, I'm going to shape a narrative that justifies how I feel. I'm going to tell myself a story that makes it okay how I feel because I'm focused on myself, right? Like I'm not focused on, like you just said, who this person might've been created to be in the Mm -hmm. image of God. That's not important to me anymore. I'm focused on, no, 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 I'm hurt. And this is the story I've told myself. And so I'm going to pull you into that story as well. And I mean, I think that's where we are, our harshest and we show our, our least amount of softness are to those that we are closest to, right? They get what brings out the hard edges. They get all of our Mm -hmm. frustration, our bitterness, the Mm -hmm. anger. Mm -hmm. So how do we cultivate softness when pain of the past is telling us to build these walls up, especially Mm -hmm. in our closest relationships? Yeah, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I've shared this on my, my own page, but I was separated from my husband for about a year. And when I came back, I was still just struggling with just, you hurt me, so you don't deserve any softness. You don't deserve kindness. You don't deserve those things. And for me, when I wasn't able to just be soft to my husband, because he was the one who hurt me, right? Because it's one thing, like, it's not even just past hurt. It's when people that hurt us are still interacting with us. Yeah. That's hard. Mm -hmm. And I think God had to really show me that I was making my pain, my personality. I was Hmm. making it the whole center of my whole story. I was just making it the main character. It was just, it was everything. Hmm. And I was, but then I was saying like, oh yeah, everything's good. Like I'm healed. And God's like, no, healing means that I become the center Hmm. of the story. You put me in the center. The pain is not the main character. The pain is not your personality. It's not a part of your identity. And I think that that is that work of saying, okay, what hurt me is not who I am. And so because I'm not how I hurt, I'm not the things that hurt me, mm-hmm. I can remain soft because I'm being kept by him and I'm being faithful to him. So even when I can't be kind to my husband because I'm like, he doesn't deserve it, mm-hmm. I know that God deserves it. Mm-hmm. God deserves my softness. Mm-hmm. That God deserves me choosing to treat my husband with kindness and let that redeeming work happen when I really don't want to. And I feel like I'm justified and not, we're all justified. (laughs) We all are, we can all, we can make ourselves justified as justified as we want to be. Yes. As much as we want to be, we can, like you said, we can, can create stories, narratives that will keep us in a place of being the victim. I don't know if it's just a generational thing, but just being on social media, a lot of the narratives around the, Instagram therapy that's going on and the kind of quotes that we see are are allowing people to stay the victim. You know, this person hurt me. This person did this to me. I'm this. Like, they were a narcissist. They gaslit me. And I'm like, all valid. All valid. But at some point, you have to realize that you are not a victim. Can't and if you keep there. that victim mentality, if you stay there, then your walls are going to be up. And you're not even going to let the person that can heal you, God, heal you because you are, you're like, no, no, you don't understand. You don't even understand. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands how I was hurt. Nobody understands anything about me. And we have to, to accept that. Guess what? I've hurt people. 
Mm -hmm. I've been on the other side of it. And so no one is perfect Mm -hmm. without sin, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I think just reminding myself that it's not ultimately about me all the time. It's just about being obedient to who he's called me to be as best as I can. And that's hard. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it requires so much self-awareness. And Mm -hmm. I think as I get older, I value self-awareness in myself, but also in in others. I think some of the best leaders that I've served with or read about or whatever, Mm -hmm. have this like Mm -hmm. level of self-awareness, right? They, Mm -hmm. how they see the world, they see their place in it, but they also see how they're impacting those around them. But then when you take that mindset and that posture of a victim, I think it's so interesting how you end up seeing the world. There is, there's not a whole lot of gratitude there anymore. There's not a whole lot. It's just, Mm -hmm. if anything, you're positioning yourself as an outsider, you know, yes. and, and I think there are, I'm not trying to say like, you're no one's a victim. I fully believe there are things that happen that are painful and hurtful and you have to 100%. unpack it, right? You have to figure out what that means and how that shaped you. But I think when, like you said, when you stay there and you sit in it, it's really hard to see the world any other way. And I think it's Yeah, and isolating. it's not your portion. Yeah. Yeah. You look in the Bible, like people the wor- gone through the worst things ever, right? Horrible things. And you can acknowledge that you have been a victim. Mm -hmm. I can acknowledge like I was a victim to stuff that my husband did, right? Mm -hmm. He hurt me. It was was bad. Mm -hmm. We had to work through that. But I'm also like, I'm not going to stay there because I know that God has more for me. I know that that's not my portion. I know that that's not who he's called me to be. He has not called me to just stay here and be a victim to all the things that happened to me because in him, he's overcome everything. Mm -hmm. And so I can sit in that same place and be like, you know what? It tried, it's tried to take me out, but it didn't. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take those painful points and I'm going to let God funnel through them so that I can bring freedom to other people. But if we want to stay in the victim, we, Mm -hmm. we cut off the ways that God can use us Mm -hmm. and use our stories too. Mm -hmm. With the experiences that you've had, the seasons that you have walked through, if you could tell those who are a few years behind you, anything, what do you wish someone would have told you sooner? Oh, man, that there's plenty of time that you're not behind and that it's never too late. Mm -hmm. I think that I, in your 20s, you think your 20s are when you have to do everything. You have to make yourself, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just turned 30 this year. And so, like, I'll be 31 in a couple months or next month. And I was just like, man, like, I spent so much of my 20s thinking that it was the, the time where I had to just figure it out, had to know what I was doing the rest of my life. And I just, I wish I would have known you're not behind. It's not too late and that you can start over whenever you want to start over. You can try something new whenever you want to try something new and to just really live under that abundance mindset that there's plenty of time in a way to just do things and that you're not under this specific timeline. I think if I had known that in my twenties, I probably would have just like explored more. Taking a breath. Yeah, yeah. Giving myself a little bit more freedom to just enjoy things and not feel as though I have to spend my whole life accomplishing things. Mm -hmm. Well, your 20s are just so full. They should be full of all these false starts, right? Of like, I'm just trying. I just want to see what happens because, and I love how you say it, if you're living under abundance... Why would you mm-hmm. not try? Why would yes. you why yeah. would you not just try and see what and it you might fail. Yeah, you might. But guess what? You get to try something else or you get to try another mm-hmm. way. Did did turning 30 mess with you at all? Oh my gosh, yeah. Did it? I was like, 
Like, even now, when I was saying, I'm like, I'm going to be 31, I'm like, oh my gosh. Did that do something I don't to know, you? I feel like people that were 30, like when I was younger, people that were 30, like now I'm 30, I'm like, I don't feel like I act very 30. Don't you think that they're like done? Do you know what I'm saying? Not in a bad way, but like they're set, right? Like if you're Yeah, you here, just look at 30-year-olds and you're like, yeah, when I'm 30, like. I'll know, you know what this what I'm about. I'll be. I'm like, <laughs> I'm over here 30, still can't even wake up on time, like. <laughs> So okay. I turned 34 and okay. I'm like, I'm going, I'm in my mid thirties. Like I'm right. And then 33 messed with me. Cause I'm like, this is my Jesus year. Like, look what Jesus did when he was 33. And I'm over here. Like I can't even potty train a dog. Like I'm girl. I, yeah. <laughs> it's just so, and then I think just like when you look around and you see young, just young people just doing things and it's easy to just feel like you're like, it's too late for me. I'm done. I just need to go lay down. <laughs> it's too late. And that's like, girl, please. It's like you have plenty of time, but yeah, sometimes I'm just like. When I think about like mid, I said that to my husband today, I was like, I'm going to be in my mid 30s right I'm I might as well be 40 at this point he was like you need a backup like you need to you need to calm That's down I'm like I'm almost 50 he's like what are I know. you talking about I know it's just I don't think 30 didn't mess with me as much as this like mid 30s yeah. range and I'm thinking wait have I done every like I'm about to die like have I done everything I've, I've put on this earth to do no. I better right? get it together <laughs> but you know it just there's a sweetness in like doing things too at this time of life as well because you just are like a little bit steadier sure you know Mm -hmm. and you're just kind of like you just know what matters what doesn't matter Mm -hmm. a part of me is like okay I'm glad you know if this is the time when I write a book I'm like okay I'll feel better if a few people buy it I'm good that's great it's fine you know I just feel a little more relaxed. We end every episode with one question and people love it or they hate it. There's really no gray area on this question. What are you so happy that someone did tell you about? So this can be anything. I mean, I know personally that I can just bond with you over being a fellow fiction reader. Guys, nonfiction's great. Like I get it. We're all... We love yeah, the nonfiction game. Yeah, you love it. We get it. But I love, it's either, if I'm not reading fiction, I'm going to be watching like Below Deck or Real Housewives. So trust me when I say, you want me reading. <laughs> right? Fiction. For your health. Because yes. if I keep being disciplined by Real Housewives, it's a problem. You are it's not going to like what comes out of me. If that's what I'm putting in, you are yeah, not going to like what comes you don't out. Want, you don't want disciple of Real Housewives. <laughs> you just don't. It's not going to serve anybody. But what what are you so happy someone did tell you about? Again, this can be books. This can be a drink. This can be food this can be anything oh my gosh okay oh okay I am so happy someone told me about James Baldwin I will say that yes tell me about Um, James Baldwin okay so James Baldwin so Jasmine on Instagram yes I don't know yes Yes. so she's dear to my heart and she really made me feel more comfortable just reading more black literature and so we talk about all the time okay when you I heard Baldwin do you want to know yeah. where my brain went? Where? The oh, Bald- Alec Baldwin? <laughs> I no, thought, no, no. this is a curveball. No, no. What are yes, you doing? No, sorry, no. Redirect. I just no. know there's a bunch of Baldwin <laughs> brothers. And so yes, I was like, I guess he's one. No, something in James Baldwin, author. Got it. I'm author. so with you now. I'm tracking. Okay, I'm right but, here. I'm right. So yeah, I'm glad somebody told me about him because he is, he's become one of my favorite writers. Aside from Toni Morrison, sure, it's a close second. But yeah, I'm I'm glad somebody. What told are some me of that. his books? 
uh, Fire Next Time, If Bell Street Could Talk, also a movie. He just writes, He. it's interesting because he lived in America, but then he moved to Paris. Okay. And so a lot of his commentary is kind of like more the outside looking in on the American life. And I just love that like, he was just a very different personality yeah. in the context of the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and black liberation. And I think that it was cool because you just have a lot of the same type of personality sometimes. And he was just, he was just himself. So I yeah. love it. Don't you love when someone turns you on to something that you can chase after for a while? It's not like a one off yes. deal but when you finish a book you love and that oh, author has no. written nothing else. And you're like, girl, I know it's the worst. I'm like, but I kind of feel like I'm friends with these characters right now. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. I mean, I'm honestly, there's so many books I'd be like, oh, I'm so glad like someone on TikTok told me about this book or whatever. But sis. TikTok is um TikTok you get I mean certain, <sighs> some TikTok books I'm like y'all are no you know what I keep I keep coming across these ones that are like top reads of 2021 and some of the ones they're listing I'm like listen I read that and that for sure was not one of my top re- my top reads I just, of 2021 I don't know sometimes I'm like I feel as though you can just tell that kind of not mob mentality I'm not trying to diss people's tastes but a little but also, bit you know what I'm saying a little bit <laughs> But also, I'm like, but what did you like about it? Yeah, this was such a good time. Thank you so much for jumping on. Hey, before I let you go, let people know how they can find you, where they can read all your good stuff. Oh, yeah. On Instagram, Sharia Calabras is my handle. And then my website's just Sharia.com. You have a good author name. (laughs) I know. I feel like once I got married, because it was like Sharia Rush, and then... I got married and it's like all C's, like Sharia Camille Calabras. And I was just like, oh, listen, I just, sense. I just can see it on a book cover. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I just, just I let it be so, it. Father. <laughs> Get these kids, Lord. Somehow I got on the manifestation side of TikTok and I was like, what are we doing here? What is, what? Yeah, like, what are we doing? It's just like, your money will come. And, money, and I'm like, this is I'm like, how is this? My algorithm's messed up. Why is this showing up? On my- yeah, it was coming on mine, and I was just like, I don't know. listen, I don't know this. I don't know about this. But- we got to pass. We got to pass. Where's some more dub book recommendations? Give me those back. <laughs> hey, thanks so much. Hey, it was so much fun. Thanks for jumping on.